welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 185 for Saturday the 25th of January 2020. Coming up this week, we're only at week three of a brand new year, and already I've been a great big naughty slacker. I've had a disappointment this week, can you guess what it is without me having to tell you? And, in spite of it all, I've polished off another 10,000 words of my fiction story and 5,000 words of my non-fiction book. So, Welcome to this week's podcast episode. Let me tell you why I've been slacking this week. And I was supposed to have been editing No More Secrets in the evenings. I didn't get that done. I'll tell you why in a moment or two. But first, let's go to this week's word count. And I wrote on Sunday, the 19th of January, 5,072 words of End of Men. And then yesterday, at the time I'm recording this, Thursday, the 23rd of January, I wrote another 5,155 words of End of Men. And in the last five minutes, I've just finished writing my podcasts unboxed. And that's a working title, if you remember. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to call it yet, but I'm just calling it Podcasts Unboxed at the moment. Uh, Today, I've just written 5,789 words of that book. And that was actually just chapter two. So chapter two was 5,000 words. I think I said to you last week or the week before that I thought it would probably be about 25,000 words. I'm actually going really strong with that book. And I hadn't realized how many handy radio tips I've got to pass on. And I'm actually got a real head of steam on with this podcast book because I'm, I'm writing it. I've read a lot of podcast books. There aren't that many around, to be honest with you, but I've read the podcast books that are available uh, just to get any intelligence and information that I can. And I've never read this information in any other podcast book. So I am feeling quite chuffed that I seem to have gone for a topic that I can add a lot of extra value to because of my broadcasting past. Now, I hasten to add that you won't hear me applying any of this broadcast experience in this podcast. But there are loads of tips I, I'm talking about. For, for instance, today I was talking about a show format, a podcast show format. And I was just talking about how we would format a radio show and, and the way that you would swing a show and the way you have fixed points in a show. And I thought, oh, I'd forgotten all of that. Well, I hadn't forgotten it. It's just kind of in your head not being used, I suppose. But I thought that's really handy if you're starting out with a podcast for the first time and you don't know anything about these things. So, yeah, I've just been really um, surprised at how much I can add to the topic and stuff that I've never read before. I'm not really quite sure I would I would get to read it. So, yeah, uh, I'm really enjoying that podcast book. So I will be writing again. I'll write on Sunday, and I'm actually going to write more of the podcast book. So I'll be writing chapter three. Well, I don't know. It might be chapter three, chapter four. It depends how many words they are, but I'm writing two chapters, three and four. Uh, but I'll be writing another 5,000 words of that book on Sunday. So 15,000 words done this week. Um Let's go to editing then, and then I'll tell you more about this slacking that was going on. So um, the editing for two years after is now complete, and I didn't make any significant changes for that. I just uh, softened in the end the the finale of the book. Um, it was quite it was quite sort of gruesome and threatening at the end. I just softened it a little bit, not not too much, and. I, I made a couple of adjustments based upon this articulate one star feedback I got. But to be to be honest, I had addressed all of those issues, I thought. I just 
made them a little bit uh, clearer. Uh, so there wasn't there wasn't a lot to do. And also I've made the call that in actual fact, I prefer the book with that ending on it. And interestingly, I had a, a lady um, called Nikki who had done a, she'd done one of the blog tours. She'd done the blog tour on Left for Dead and be very enthusiastic about that book. And we'd kept chatting on email. And I just said, do you want the second book? Do you want the third book? And I'd, I'd sent Nikki those books and she'd given them five-star reviews. So she's obviously of you know a very dedicated and committed thriller reader but also uh, liked my stuff and I said to her the other day can I send you two years after because I I value your input as a somebody who just reads wall-to-wall thrillers can you just tell me whether I'm wide of the mark with this so she said yeah I'll take that and she put it in her queue for three weeks well she wrote back to me yesterday uh, with an email and said, Paul, um, oh my God, brackets in a good way. Uh, I've read this, make that devoured it in a day. I was on the edge of my seat. I think that many readers over the age of 40 would have experienced or at least heard of a boss who was like Edward. This is my main character that I was worried about caricaturing, but he'd be based on real life experiences. I mean, they weren't, it was not based on any person, but just based on stuff I've seen in my working life. Um, I, for one, um, had one like him and will never forget it. So, you know, I think a lot of people who are, you know, my kind of age will have had some te- work with some terrible people in their lifetime. Um, anyway, uh, back to the plot. The tension is brilliant, as is the subterfuge with James. I liked Rosie and felt for her in many ways, uh, which I think that means that others will too. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was a dark ending and yes, it works. Um, and just says nice one. So, uh, you know, that's the, the, the feedback from somebody who reads wall to wall thrillers. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with that and stick with my ending for a little bit longer. Now, remember, I have got more five stars than I have one stroke two stars. It clearly is a divisive ending, but I don't mind, I don't mind it being a divisive ending. The, the problem is, I guess, is that because it's the early days of a book, I'm exposed and I don't have a lot of reviews on it. And I, I, I could just do with a few more of those five stars you know, to qualify the one stars if you want. But at the moment, it's in that that sort of seesaw phase when I really want it tipping more towards the five stars. Uh, and that's fine if it's chalk and cheese. I can, I can take that because there's no indication that it's putting people off buying the book. But um, anyhow, of course, that book is lined up for a blog tour at the beginning of March. And uh, Nikki's actually going to be on that blog tour and she'll be scoring it five stars. So I just have to hope with that little that little test that hopefully the other blog reviewers will feel the same about it, that they'll feel it's not out of place in the psychological thriller genre, and that that ending is fine. Now, if you've read Two Years After, uh, if, if you are one of my thriller readers, and I understand that most people come to this podcast just to listen to self-publishing stuff. I know you don't read my books, but if you if you have actually picked up that book and you've got some thoughts on it, I'd you know, be happy for you to share them with me. But generally, I'd prefer it if you are a psychological thriller reader. You know, I'd like you to read in the genre so that you know what passes in that genre, because that's really what I'm mostly concerned with. So on to the slacking. And I was supposed to have started on Monday evening and have been editing all this week, No More Secrets. Now, No More Secrets used to be called Burden of Guilt. I re-edited it for my rapid release. And again, it's one of these books that, you know, really is, I just haven't got, uh, I haven't got reviews on it. It's just, uh, it's got readers. I've made sales. It just hasn't got reviews on it for, for whatever reason. Um, and I just want to, I want to do something about that if I can. So I'm coming back to that book 
again, once again, and I just want to edit it and I just might change the ending. The but Basically, it's the beginning chapter of the end chapter. There's nothing wrong with them, but I can change the way the story kind of ends in those chapters. Uh, the, the middle, I'm quite happy with. The action, the tension, everything's fine. But the kind of whodunit, which you get in the in the last chapter, actually, it's really just the last chapter, the whodunit bit, I could change uh, right to that last chapter. So I'm very happy with everything up to there. I'm happy with the action. I'm happy with the setting, with the relationships. But I just want to give it one final check for head hopping and for that ending. Now, I was supposed to start that on Monday and something happened on Monday. And this is the thing of which I cannot speak yet and which I may never be able to speak. <laughs> but if I can speak about it, I will speak about it and tell you about it. Uh, and I'm sorry to be a tease with that, but uh, that's just how it is, I'm afraid. But I ended up a long Skype call on Monday, uh, which was, wasn't scheduled. It just kind of came out of the blue when I sat down, when I was sitting down to work and before I started working. And it kind of took a couple of hours and um, it kind of disrupted me. And then I've been really uh, struggling with this week. Uh, I know a lot of people suffer from seasonal affective disorder. I don't suffer from that, but I do struggle more with motivation in the winter. So, I, you know, I, at this time of year, the nights are dark and I'm craving for the, the light nights and I want to be out in, in bright skies and, and sunshine. So I, I'm beginning to flag a bit, but I don't get seasonal affective disorder. I'm feeling the winter now and I'm ready for spring. I think that's the best way to describe it. And I've been tired this week. What did I do? Oh, I know. So I had that, that happened on Monday. And I think I was restless in bed on Monday night, just thinking through the call. And so I didn't sleep very well on Tuesday. I was having to do a day at the day job on Tuesday. So I was really tired when I got home, very unusually unusually for me my wife would tell you how rare this is I came home from work on Tuesday and I went for a doze when I got home I just I just went for a doze and I was dozing for about an hour and so again I'd, I'd written off Tuesday evening by the time we got that far so by the time we got to Wednesday I thought oh it's not going to get done this and I had other things to catch up with so I just cut myself some slack and and to be honest with you so long as I've got no more secrets I want to do Friends Who Lie again um, to just do a head-hopping check. And I've got so many lies to do. And so long as those books are done in the evenings by the end of March, then that's all I've got to do between now and the end of March and, and at the end of quarter one. And I just looked at my evenings. I've got, I've got loads of time to do this So I, I, because I was struggling this week. And say I'm struggling. I just meant I was tired and I wasn't really up for it this week um, in the evenings. I just cut myself some slack and I did other things in the evenings. Um, you know, I, I kept busy. I just didn't do what I'd intended to do. I just had a week off from editing. And actually, I feel all the better for it. It'll get done. I'll just pick it up next week and I'll start all fresh next week. But um, I, I'm not very good when things unsettle me. And two things have unsettled me this week. I, they're not things that I'm kind of at liberty to discuss at the moment. But they, I, I, this is why I'm so highly planned. I, I need to be planned. I always have needed to be. I need to. I need to sort of feel that my life and all these activities are under control, and I can achieve a lot when I do that. But the minute uh, random randomness comes in, or something unexpected is thrown in, again, often I can pivot. But you know, one one thing did actually just mess up my Thursday morning. That was a family related thing. None of these are urgent things, by the way, uh, but just just things that disrupted routine and what I expected to do. And that thing on Monday might disrupt my routine um, from quarter two onwards. So 
you know, I found it quite an unsettling week, so I just cut myself some slack. But I hope you'll agree, you know, I've got another 15,000, well, it's nearly, must be nearly 16,000 words written, um, you know, and two years after has got re-edited and, and republished as well. And I've done the ongoing notes that I need to for, uh, what's the book called that I'm writing at the moment, End of Men. So I have been productive. I've done some other things as well. I just didn't quite get done what I'd intended to do. So quite pleased with that 15,000 words in spite of uh, everything. Extremely pleased with Nikki's review of two years after. That's given me more confidence. So the jury's still out on that book. As I was reading it, I was just thinking, nope, this book's fine. It's tight. It's exciting. You don't know what's going on till the end. There's a twist. It's got all the component parts. The only difference is, is that it doesn't have a happy ending for the protagonist. Um, and, and as I've said in the author notes, I've kind of said why I did that in the author notes. And also I've said that it would actually make a great sequel book, that book. Um, you know, you just pick it up from the point at which we left it. And then I could write the second story. It wouldn't, it's not a trilogy, but it would certainly take a second story, just picking up from where it ends. So I, I may come back and do that at some point as well. We'll see. This is the joy of writing, of course. We can pretty well make it up and change it as we go along. Right at the beginning of this podcast, I teased that I'd had a disappointment this week. So hopefully you've been on tenterhooks trying to guess what that disappointment was. Can you think what it was? Yep. I was rejected for a book bub on Left for Dead. How, how dare they? Don't they know that my whole plans this year depend on getting a book bub for Left for Dead? And they've rejected it. So that came in on Saturday. So after I dropped last week's podcast episode... And I got to admit, I, I did feel really disappointed about that. I, I really want to get a book bub on that. And because I had got some good reviews on it, uh, four and five star reviews, I think it's 16 and, and was it 11 in the States? Something like that. It's doing all right for reviews. You know, it's doing all right for reviews, bearing in mind how difficult it is for most of us to get these reviews. It's doing all right for me. I've never had a book so early with so many reviews. And they're good reviews. They're not mixed like they are on two years after. So I thought that book stood a pretty good chance, to be honest with you. But I suspect I've just got caught out because I, it's not listed wide. It's listed on Amazon only. Now, again, I have had, uh, what's it called? Don't tell Meg. I've managed to get two book bubs on that wide and two book bubs on that on Amazon exclusive. So I've now got the dilemma of, am I going to submit it wide or am I going to submit it exclusive? Now, you know, I can, I can wait to to get a book bub but clearly I'd rather have it sooner rather later I'd like to get a book bub on it um I'm going to have to make a decision about that but I've diaried it it'll go in next month and we'll see how it goes we'll see what happens we'll see whether we get um that book bub or not I can't see a reason why it shouldn't eventually even if it doesn't get one straight away but like everything you just have to bide your time I think probably because I've had quite a good track record of getting them I probably half hoped that I'd get one first time and I didn't so there we go and with bookbub in mind I just thought I'd give you an indication of how my current bookbub is going so I've just had the secret bunker one has been on a bookbub in the horror section not really happy about it being in the horror section and um, it, it's you know much of a muchness really let me just give you some numbers 
Um, so it's wide. Uh, the secret bunker is wide and it's listed for free. And clearly I'm taking my income from books two and three in the secret bunker trilogy. And I've been telling you for a couple of weeks that my best seller this month has been two years after. Well, I can tell you that the secret bunker book two has now overtaken that as this month's bestseller is to be honest with you, I, I would expect to after a book bub and book three is very, very close behind. It's really, really close behind. So I am getting those buy throughs, but um, not in any great scale. So let me just tell you how many books I've shifted. Um, on, this is just on Amazon, by the way. I've, I, I can't even, be, I can't be bothered to look at the other channels. That's terrible, isn't it? But I can't really be bothered to look at the other channels. That's the, the, the truth of it. But on Amazon, I shifted 9,072 free copies of The Secret Bunker 1. And I, I think I must have put these numbers on at the beginning of the week. But so far, I've sold 104 book twos and 76 book threes. So I think it's going to be, I mean, it's it's clearly in profit. Um, I've also got, I'm doing quite well on Draft the Digital. And my Kobo income is, is up from from you know, flatlining, which is usually flatline. So I've got, I've actually got some Kobo income coming in and my draft of digital income is, you know, the highest it's been for quite a long time as well. So I have got income coming in from different sources. You know, that just gives you some indications that, that, I mean, quite clearly that's good income. I'm quite happy to have that off a, off a single series of books, but it's not life changing. It's a good month. Um, I think it should be in sci-fi. I think it's in the wrong category. Um, and clearly I've more than made my money back on what the promo cost me because it cost me about £230, something like that for, for a horror. So it's all swings and roundabouts. It gives you a good month. Um, I'm quite happy with that as an income month, but the simple truth of the matter is what really does it for me is a book bub on books that are relatively new that the book bub audience haven't seen before in the psychological thriller section. That really makes some money for me. And hopefully if I get left for dead in, uh, it will still continue to make some money for me. I'll, I'll kind of let you know if and when that happens. So BookBub does diminish in effectiveness over time. Just because you've got one BookBub doesn't mean you're going to get another straight away. I mean, I have to tell you that Don't Tell Meg is still worth my while promoting four BookBubs in. I think, um, you know, it was about five to six thousand pounds the first two times. And then it went down to three thousand, maybe three, four thousand. Then it was down to about two and a half. So probably I've got one, maybe because it's very expensive for a thriller one. It's about 500 quid for a thriller. So I've probably got one more. Don't tell Meg where I'm probably safe of making my money back. Uh, and then I have to think very carefully about whether I did an, a sixth one after that or maybe give it a year, change the covers or do something that freshens it up a bit. So Don't Tell Meg, interestingly, is eligible again for a book bub on the 16th of March. My Morecambe Bay trilogy takes precedence, but you know what I'm like, this is all about the income. So I would rather get a book bub on either of the series rather than not have one at all. I've also, of course, got a couple of uh, new releases coming out still. So I've got my military sci-fi book three coming out on Friday, the 31st of January. So when I record next week's diary, it will have just been released. And then the Monday after that, so a week this coming Monday, I've got my Morecambe Bay box set coming out on the 3rd of February. Now, I'm not doing anything with that box set. It's not getting promotional pricing or anything like that. It's simply going to flop out and be 
another book release within my 28-day release cycle. But I'm, I'm not promoting it. I'm not doing anything with it. It's just good to be... Amazon will just see it as a new book release. It's going out, I think, probably at full price. I don't think I'll be promoting it. What, what I want next, what I want is I want a book bub on the Walker Bay trilogy. That's what I'm holding out for. I did just want to mention something to you this week because it was a consequence of this Skype call I was on on Monday. I hadn't realised this and I'm not really quite sure where they've come from. But I was talking to you at the beginning of this episode about how difficult it is to get those earlier reviews. just wanted to tell you how many reviews I've now got on Don't Tell Meg because uh, this astonished me. I'm not quite sure where these have come from all of a sudden. But anyhow, um, I've got 287 reviews on Don't Tell Meg in the UK and 297 reviews on Don't Tell Meg in the USA. Now, you know that I don't kind of hang on to my reviews. Um, you know, I, I, I just kind of skim them if I look at them at all. And I have been looking more at the reviews since I did the rapid release um, because you know frankly they seem to be getting steadier and better which is always good news but I'm astounded at that I it just seemed like it was only five minutes ago I'm sure that don't tell me I got 80 reviews I haven't got a clue where they've come from uh, well obviously from readers uh, but but I, I I just blinked and I missed it so I was really surprised at that 287 and 297 seems like five minutes ago that I was trying to get them up to 10 reviews on those books so it really does show that the constant promotion the book bubs it's really the book bubs that have made the difference on those reviews so I'm quite astounded at that I think that's I would say it's reasonably impressive by anybody's standard, isn't it? To have that number of reviews um, on a book. So I, I was quite pleased with that. I just wanted to mention, really, for the sake of spreading uh, goodwill and good news, that I got a message from Written Word Media this week. Now, you may recall that when I was doing my my book promotions for rapid release, pretty well every week I was promoting the books on Bargain Booksy, on Book Doggy, on e-reader News Today, and another one which I've forgotten. But um, Bargain Booksy are the same people who do Free Booksy. Now, my conclusion from doing rapid release is that I don't really get a lot of activity when I release 99 pence or cents books on, on any of those platforms. It just doesn't really work for me. Uh, what continues to work for me is promoting the free books um, in a trilogy, the first book free in a trilogy, and then making my money on books two and three. That that just keeps working for me. That is the technique that personally works for me. You may find something else works for you, but that does it for me every time. I had my first $1,000 month promoting Don't Tell Meg on free booksy, doing exactly that and making my money on books two and three. So, it, you know, it works for me. I'm going to keep telling you that that system, I, I think it works. So... Um, I've been getting reminders, lots of reminders, one every week from Written Word Media saying we promoted your book three months ago. Do you want us to promote it again? And at the moment, I'm not promoting anything again because I'm just I want my business to be cash rich for the reasons that I told you already, which is that I want it to pay for Spain. Um, and I'm, and I want it to pay for some holidays this year. So I'm, I'm literally not spending anything at the moment. I'm making sure all these things are paid for. I'll tell you more about Spain in a moment or two. 
Anyhow, uh, I got a letter from or an email from Written Word Media this week, and this is the second time that they've done this. And they just say, thank you very much for being a past customer of ours. We see it's been a while since you booked a feature with us. As a gesture of gratitude, we ought to want to offer you a special bonus. We see that your book, The Secret Bunker One, uh, Darkness Falls, is currently free on Amazon. We wanted to let you know that we'll be featuring this book as a complimentary free booksy science fiction editorial feature in today's newsletter. Now, I've had a couple of those in the past from Written Word Media, and I, I just wanted to mention it to you again because I think that's really good form. It was Book Doggy too who sent me a, a, an email when I was doing rapid release saying, we notice you've done loads of promotions with you. Have this one on us. And I just think it's a really nice uh, gesture. Uh, it just shows that they're working hard to retain customers and to keep your business. And that's quite rare nowadays, isn't it? Particularly for an internet business, which frankly just could work on automatic and, and not necessarily even notice or pay attention to people. So um, I just wanted to say, well done, Written Word Media. Um, I am a very big fan of free booksy. I had absolutely no problems at all with bargain booksy. I just find that in my business, I would I prefer free, free booksy. It's always worked better for me to make me money. Uh, I've always been or seen a direct correlation between when I advertise on free booksy and I, I make money on my book. So yeah, just a, a big shout out really to written word media. Thank you very much for that. And congratulations for, uh, you know, kind of reaching out and keeping in touch with your customers. I think that's very good form and a good strategy. I had a little email exchange. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't email. It was on Twitter with Sydney Bouvier. Now I've, I've chatted to Sydney Bouvier before. You will find Sydney as S.E. Bouvier on, uh, Twitter. And, uh, Sydney is a writer. And Sydney just uh, commented on something that I put on Twitter saying, I'm just really interested to know what your military sci-fi earnings are at the moment. And we had a little exchange and I said, well, um, interestingly, the quick answer is I don't know, but what I will do is I'll tell you more in, this week's podcast episode, because there are some points that I want to make there about collaborative work. And actually one of my, it's probably my biggest frustration, probably my only frustration, uh, one of my frustrations with collaborative work. And I, I should hasten to add that none of those frustrations are with people, they're with processes. So um, to answer the question, Sydney said, how are your military sci-fi earnings? And the answer is, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. And the reason for that is because I can't see what I'm earning. So the first book went out in January and I haven't got a clue what I'm earning. The only way I can see whether the thing's dying a death or not is to, is to go into Amazon, uh, to type John Evans name so I could go to his author profile. It's, it's easier to do it by John Evans rather than my name to go and have a look, um, at the, the pages and to see where we are in the charts. So if I go and have a look at that book, if I have a look at the Kindle edition, so I look at Incursion, book one, and I can see that we've been we've been in the top 100, uh, often in the top 50, um, ever since those books were released. So currently we're 66 in Space Marine Science Fiction, we're 67 in Space Marines, we're 70 in Colonization uh, and Science Fiction eBooks. So we're doing okay. We're, we haven't disappeared without a trace, um, but I haven't got a clue how much money we're making from that. So you know, that's where we are with there. If I go to the States, let's have a look at where we are in the States and see if, see how we're doing uh, in the States. We are, where are we? So yes, yeah, so in the States, you see, we're 855 in colonization in our categories, 871. So not doing brilliantly in there. We have been higher in those categories, but um, that's the only clue I've got. So that's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, but I, I haven't got a clue. 
I haven't got a clue. I, and I don't know what that's going to equate to in terms of cash, um, in terms of money in my pocket by the time it gets to me. I just haven't got a clue. So I'm completely blind to what I'm earning at the moment. And I do find that pretty frustrating, to be honest with you, because like you, I'm sure if you've got books that are available, you probably check your your figures every day or several times a day, as <clears throat> some people do, um, to see what you're earning. And it becomes quite compulsive at the moment because I've got the secret bunker guy and I'm checking everything uh, several times a day because I want to see what's coming in. Uh, but I like to forecast my money. So I like to know what money I've got coming in because then I can say things to you like, I've now earned the money in my business, not in my pocket, but I've earned the money for me to go to Spain for five months. Although that money's not in my pocket yet, that money is earned. So when I look at my spreadsheet, and I am a spreadsheet kind of guy, I I, I run a simple spreadsheet uh, on my domestic accounts and on my business accounts. And, and as you would expect from me, I hope, my spreadsheet projects um, all the way through till next October. So I take it to the tax year. I always look at it to the next tax year. And at the moment, I'm doing some projections to October because October is when I go to Spain. And that's my that was my final sell-by date for having that money um, available in, in my, you know, in earnings to pay for me to go to Spain. So it's quite handy for me if I know what I'm going to be earning. So at the moment in that spreadsheet, I've got the income from my collaboration with Adam uh, for February and March, just as a, as a TBC. And then I've also got income that I will have coming in from John and James for January, February and March. And I, I haven't got a clue what that is. I don't know what it is. So it's one of the things I don't really like about losing control in a collaboration. Now, there is a solution to this, of course. Uh, it's a new solution, but it is a solution, and that is to use Publish Drive Abacus. Now, I have been asking my collaborators to use Publish Drive Abacus uh, since before we got started, and for some reason, and I suspect it's because they probably don't know a lot about it, and they possibly think that there's more involved in it than there is, because the setup's really straightforward and simple. Um, and John and James, I know, are, I think they're meeting this weekend to discuss it. Uh, and again, Adam is so busy um, uh, getting uh, the books out. He's, he's got another trilogy coming out. I know he's completely up against it. He also has said <laughs> when he's got those books out, he'll take a look at it. So um, it's not because I've got no's. It's just that they haven't sort of got round to it and set it up yet. But I have asked both my collaborators, and I really would like this to happen, is that we go into Publish Drive Abacus and then I can see what money the books are earning. So I'm not running blind. Now, after all, I am a business partner. And as a business partner, it's not unreasonable for me to know what my income is. Now, again, just to clarify this, because this is not a criticism of people and I don't want it to be construed as such, because what Adam does is every month, regular as clockwork, um, he sends me a note in Facebook and says, I've just sent you this much from the books. And by the way, here are the earnings. Um, so, so Adam sends me a screenshot to show me what the earnings. So he has shown me that. And John and James have not yet got earnings accrued to show me because we haven't reached the end of the month yet. Right. So I want to be really clear about this. This is not a criticism of collaborators because both sets of collaborators have, uh, will consider it and, and I'm sure it will get done. So, um, you know, so I really want to be clear. That's not a criticism, but from my point of view, um, it would be very handy for me to use Publish Drive Abacus. And I want to share that with you because I want you to be aware of it. If you enter into any collaborations or if you run a collaboration, I would 
suggest to you that you bottom this out from the offset. So if I did another collaboration in future, I would have published published drive would be tied down in the contract from now on. So if I did another collaborative contract, I would be putting in there that from the first month's income, that would be made available in published drive. I think you need a month's income for published drive abacus to work and that all income would be recorded in published drive. Now for the first book in published drive, it's free. So it doesn't even cost you anything for the first book. And if you are a member of Mark Dawson's um, you know, advertising classes, they give you a uh, code which I think gives you something like 50% off for the first month or something with published drive abacus, something, something like that. It's some kind of discount voucher for published drive. So there's loads of incentives to give it a go and have a go at that. So, um, Sydney, I just wanted to, you know, that's the fuller answer. Obviously, that's a lot of characters for Twitter. <laughs> I wasn't going to get that into a Twitter post. That's why I wanted to save it for the podcast. Um, but hopefully, um, you could learn from that. You know, I would say to you, that um, there are there are two frustrations that I've found with collaboration. They're not about people at all. They're about process. That is one frustration, um, and that's one that I think we'll solve. Frankly, I think when Adam gets his books out and he he, he could draw breath, um, you know, you get that set up and we'll be off and on our way. And it'll get it'll be done for free as well because the first book's free in in published drive, and then again John and James are discussing it this week. I don't think there'll be any problem with that. I know they want to do collaborations in future, and actually it sets up the business, um, you know, to work the way that you would want it to work. But we haven't even got the first month's money in yet, so they they couldn't even have set it up yet. So um, that's one thing. The second thing, which I think I've already said to you in a previous podcast episode, and that is is that. I feel like my hands are tied a little bit because uh, I don't want I don't want to pr- pay to promote books where I don't take a hundred percent of the income. So, for instance, um, if you look at now, you see her, which was a, a really great book that I wrote with Adam. You know, I'm really pleased with that book, and it got good reviews, and it, it doesn't, there don't seem to be any kind of problems with it. And um, you know, I quite like to be promoting that book if it was my own. And of course, if, if I do that, I I I, I have to share the the income that comes in. So there's no incentive for me to promote that book. Having released that book, then it kind of just sits there and, and does nothing. So that that's almost got me thinking. And, and you know, I, that was a successful collaboration. I'm quite happy with that. I, I got a, a record number of pre-release uh, pre-orders on that. Uh, you know, we're making, we made and we're making uh, good money on, on that single book. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. I'm not unhappy with it at all. It didn't change my world. It might have done if I'd have written a trilogy for Adam, but I didn't have time to do that. I was just very keen to get one book done. And, and also to be honest with you, I would like to write further books in that series because the characters were good, I think. But again, because it didn't change my life, there's no real incentive for me, I don't think, to write uh, another trilogy as a collaboration. So I'd have to say to you at this stage, with the book I wrote with Adam, I'm probably more likely to buy it out if I want to write future books, you know, to say to him, look, this is what we've earned so far. Here's, here's what we'd probably make over two years of declining sales. Let me pay you that. And, and, and I'll take the book back and I'll, you know, I'll take it and put it in my name and I'll write subsequent books around that series. Um, that's what I would probably be inclined to do with the book I wrote with Adam and, and then, with the books I wrote with John and James, um, those are books. I, those books are in collaboration forever because they are too tied into John and James's universe. So those ones would stay there anyway. I think what what happens to them, those books will stay there. And 
how much money we make on them. And I say, I can't even give you an indication yet. You know, I might be rich for all I know. I might be retiring forever next month to the Barbados for all I know. I haven't got a clue. Um, I, somehow I feel not, but that might be happening next month. Who knows? But I'm completely blind to it. So I, I just can't tell you. Uh, but those books will stay in that universe forever. There's no point me doing anything else with them, frankly. I guess, I guess I could take them out at the end of the contract. I think the contract seven years for those books, uh, um, change the names, um, just modify it slightly for my universe. I, I guess I could do that. Uh, no, no reason why I couldn't do that. I'd have to completely remove it from their um, universe. But frankly, that trilogy is just, I'm quite happy with that. Just stay in there. I think the future of that trilogy, the earnings will determine whether I write a second trilogy or not, because if it makes no money, of course, there's no incentive for me to write a, a second trilogy. I'll go off and write something else that does make me money. But if it makes me a lot of money, I'm back in there writing another trilogy. So I hope that answers the question fully for you, Sydney. But also, I hope there's a couple of learning points for you in there if you ever get involved in collaboration yourself. I wanted to mention a couple of things just of interest this week. I was listening to Alyssa Grosso's Awkward Author podcast, and I really enjoyed a, a sequence, about 10 minutes in there, where Alyssa's talking about her experiences in traditional publishing. Now, Alyssa at the moment is writing, she started as a trilogy, it's actually turned into four books. She's just about to start writing the fourth book. But she was just talking you through um why she's not rapid releasing the books until all four of them are ready to go. And she relates that back to her experience as a traditional author, talking about the delays that were involved and the way that um, the the traditional publisher would disappear. Do they call it ghosting? When you, I, I don't know all these trendy millennial kind of Tinder phrases, but um, is it ghosting when somebody kind of disappears when they were talking to you? Kind of effectively ghosting and then all of a sudden appearing and saying, oh, by the way, we need these edits back in two weeks' time. They were doing that kind of thing. Uh, with her. But uh, it was a fascinating insight. Uh, you probably didn't even intend to do it, did you, Elizabeth? It was a really good, uh, it was a really good sequence. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it gave me more insight into traditional publishing than I think anybody's ever given me before into the nuts and bolts of it. So I highly recommend this week's um, Awkward Author podcast. It doesn't make me want to be a traditional uh, publisher or author but it really gave me a great insight into the kind of the frustrations of the ebb and flow of when you're working with a publisher it was great so so do give that a listen um it's just a, a short uh, podcast episode and, and you just want to listen you know that that key moment that i was talking about was probably about five or ten minutes uh, in but yeah just really great very very insightful so thank you very much for that Alyssa. Um, I've also read this week i said it'd be a slack week but you can tell i've still got loads done i just haven't got done what I say out to do with editing No More Secrets. But I've also read from cover to cover Tabula Breck's newsletter ninja book this week. I'd have to say to you, I have been at this a long time and I've done a lot of stuff with, obviously with internet marketing. So there wasn't a lot in there that that was new to me. I knew most of it or it reminded me of stuff that I ought to know and that I've forgotten I don't do. But I, I did enjoy reading it, and I would recommend it to you if you're new to email marketing. But I did feel that I knew most of that stuff. I liked the style that it was written in, and I did take some notes as memory joggers, and I did enjoy the sections about setting up automated sequences. So as with everything you ever read, it's a rare instance in which you learn nothing and I I did learn lots of things there and it's really I think it's true value the true value for me reading that book was that it made me think and dedicated some time 
to my email marketing and it made made me reflect on what I'm doing at the moment and it inspired me to go back and change some things and and tweak some things around what Tammy was saying so that that was really the value that I got from it but I think if you'd literally just gone into MailChimp or MailerLite set up set up the mechanics of it and you hadn't got a clue about the process of you know what do I do what do I say if you hadn't got a clue about that I think you'd get huge value from that book and it is without doubt the best email marketing book that I've I've read or seen before. So that's Tammy Lebrecht's newsletter ninja book. Um that's finished. That was on my quarter one planning board and it's the first of my non-fiction books to get read. Something that uh, appeared in my feed this week also, and again I'm bigging up written word media for the second time this week. Uh, they're doing some great blog posts at the moment. So I'm a bit of a fanboy at the moment, aren't I? But uh, something appeared in my feed this week. It's a blog post called the top 10 publishing industry trends that every author needs to know in 2020. Incidentally, that is a great uh, blog post title. Uh, talk about inspiring you to click and read, which is exactly what I did. Now, to save you hunting for it, I'll put the link to the blog post on this week's show notes, but it's just a good read. It's like an essential read. And actually, while we're talking about that, you know, you'll be getting fed, of, fed up with me bigging this up again, but I do want to share this stuff because as I listen to it, I'm thinking, oh, that was great. I need to share that. Hopefully this is of, of benefit to you. I want to mention again the Six Figure Authors podcast. I, I seem to be doing it every five minutes at the moment. But they did a really good session on Mark Coker's Smashwords 2020 sort of indie predictions. He, he did he did some indie predictions, which have been widely discussed. And um, I'm just getting so much of this podcast you know, please, please give it a spin if you're not listening to it. It, it has gone, how many episodes? 22 episodes. It is my, it is the best, most informative podcast that I'm listening to at the moment. And there are some good podcasts out there already, as you know. Um, you know, all the, all the staples that I listen to that I really enjoy. I've listened to some brilliant ones this week. There was another one. Unfortunately, I've been listening to them in bed and I've been drifting in and out of sleep and I have to keep re-downloading them to try and get through them. I'm listening to the Career Author Podcast. I can't believe I came to that as late as I did. Dying to listen to this week's episode called Accounting for Authors. I want to listen to that and haven't got to that yet. Um, I'm really enjoying, I always enjoyed the Selmore Book Show, but I'm really loving the dynamic between uh, Brian Cohen and his new presenter. Now, I like the dynamic between Brian and, and Jim Kukrell, but I also like it between um, Brian and Claire. It's really um, working for me. And... Uh, when I say it's reinvigorated, it didn't need reinvigorating because it was always good and I always enjoyed listening to it. But let's just say it's a different dynamic and I really like it and I'm enjoying what Claire is, is bringing to the podcast. It was a good choice on Brian's part, I think. Um, I, I, podcast presenters, show presenters are like teachers to me. You know, every teacher's different. They all bring different skills to the job. Some teachers you love and remember for life and some teachers you hate and, and we're, we're all different because we've all got different tastes and that's how I always felt about radio hosts and podcast hosts I thought Jim was a great co-presenter but I also think Claire's a great co-presenter and I like what she's bringing to the show because she's published so many fiction books I think she's a good voice on that show so sorry that was just a by the by and also this week um, I really enjoyed the Story Studio podcast now it's funny if you'd have asked me about that before I listened to this week's episode and I've said to you, it feels like it's going a little bit out my ballpark, that podcast. Is that in that I always love hearing the guys talk about writing. I always, always, always love hearing Johnny Short and Dave talking about writing. But they're ex 
experience in that they're moving more towards film and scripts. Their experience is often moving away from my experience now. And they're getting in guests that are moving away from my interest and experience. So I'm coming more and more to that podcast and thinking, mm, that's not really of much interest to me. I'm not really interested in, in, in what you've got to say. I'll be honest with you. I don't really generally want to hear from other authors. I want to hear from them. They're, they're, they're it. They're the brand to me. But they had a, a guest on this week, and I really enjoyed it. They were talking about writing for television. It was an excellent episode. And whilst I don't aspire to write for television, I did find it an absolutely uh, insightful and excellent episode. So that was the Story Studio podcast, episode uh, 97, uh, entitled Writing for Television with Joan O'Matt. Uh, another, again, recommended listen. So uh, I've consumed lots of great content this week, and I hope you don't mind me sharing it. I'll put all the links on the show notes just to save you having to hunt it out for yourself. Just before I finish for this week, then a couple of mentions. Um, Tim Lewis, you just uh, missed the deadline last week, Tim. I think I just finished recording last week's podcast on Friday afternoon. And I probably went to look to Twitter and there you were. And you just, you just missed it, the deadline, because I'd committed to recording. So I just wanted to mention Tim and for two reasons, really. So Tim, um, posted that the forest is too muddy. I know that, Tim, because my running's been really, really muddy at the moment. So, um, Tim has sent me a, a photograph on Twitter of his walk and he sent me a picture of the North Circular. Now, interestingly, Tim, my book two years after has a scene on a, a flyover just like that. That is exactly how I pictured it in my mind's eye. So at the end of the book, the, 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 the baddie, the nemesis, has this lady's baby balancing on a fence just like that over a flyover, and she's playing Humpty Dumpty with the baby while the baby's laughing and completely oblivious to the danger. The mother can see what you can see in this picture, which is cars racing by. That's my kind of climactic scene. Sorry if that's a plot spoiler. Um, but that is exactly it. What you photograph there is exactly my climactic scene. So I had to mention that for two reasons. But thank you very much for your first 2020 post. And then also, oh, it, unfortunately, I've, I've posted Tim twice in here. I meant to put Edwin Downward's uh, picture in as well but Edwin is back to the bunny rabbit pictures I actually got two cute bunny pictures from Edwin this week thank you very much for that Edwin I really appreciate that and I want to mention Daniel Sewell who is also a regular listener to this podcast and um, Daniel has just released a book and Daniel, I really apologise for this. I should have made a note, note of this, but as I've been scrolling through Twitter, I thought, oh, I must mention you. Um, Dan has had uh, just released a book. He writes in horror, and he's had great success with it this week. So what I'm going to recommend you do, he also, by the way, sort of teaches um, writing at universities. So he's one to follow on Twitter. So his um, Twitter handle is at Grammatologer, which you won't know how to spell. So I'll put a link to Dan's Twitter profile on this week's show notes. But well worth checking Dan out because he's writing in horror and he's done pretty well this week with one of his book releases. Hang on, I've just found one of his pictures. I'm sure he was at number one in one of the... Um, yeah, I can't see the picture. It's not doing. It's not behaving for me at the moment. I need it to do it quickly rather than slowly. But he's done really well in charts this week and they're paid charts. Um, and, you know, he's learned some tricks from Dave Chesson. So do check in on his Twitter feed so that you can pick up some tips from that. And a personal congratulations from me to you, Dan. It's always good to see people who we're connected to on the podcast to be doing well and having success with their uh, book releases. Well done. So that is it from me. 
hopefully I won't be shirking next week. Hopefully I will be telling you next week that I have got my editing done on No More Secrets and I'll get more writing done in between now and then. Incidentally, it is going to be a slacker week next week because I have a corporate training day on Thursday. So I will be writing on Sunday the 26th. I can't write on Thursday and I probably won't be writing on Friday because I'll probably be working with a client. If I don't get a client booked in for that day, I will be writing. But at the moment, that time is allocated for a client. So I won't be writing that many words next week. It'll either be 5,000 words or 10,000 words. Anyhow, you'll find out next Saturday when I will have another diary update for you. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. And I hope that you have a great week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.